0: I am your host Rob Lee, and today is a special episode. It's a part of a series with Morton Fine Art. My next guest is an artist and educator currently based in Washington D.C. Please welcome Michael Booker. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, this this is going to be great. I mean, like I find your work to be very, very interesting. I've, it is like it's going to be. It's very meticulous. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I was like, how are you? How are you doing this? So. Yeah. If for the fine folks out there, uh, that are the listeners and all, could you the describe your work in, uh, and how do you put yourself into your work? Like how do you really like, cause I, as I find people are saying like the Dorian Gray quote, there's a lot of me in this painting. Mm-hmm. So how do you put yourself and what matters to you into your work?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I primarily draw uh, using fine liner pens. Mm-hmm. And so like with that, with the techniques that I use, a lot of it goes back to the ideas in quilt making actually. My my mother quilted, my grandmother quilted, and I started to go back and look at the histories and some of the things that's been lost over time with quilt making. And like a lot of the ideas and the concepts and the symbolism, and I've been kind of thinking about those things and and extracting it into my own work. And so when I think about how I use those ideas of quilt making, and then also incorporating myself into it, I do a lot of figurative work, and there's usually a lot of family and friends and other people in it. But there's a certain emotional resonance and I'm trying to get with all of them, sure, and that emotion comes from me hmm. um, I feel like the the people in my in my work they're there just to express my own emotions, sure, so instead of using my own face, which I don't like to do as much, i use everybody else to kind of show what I'm feeling, yeah, I dig it, so for the fine folks out there, tell them where you're from because I was like yeah. you, you can't ignore it it's like you got, you got the, you have the powerful accent my guy. <laughs> I'm originally from Mississippi, born and raised um i
0: moved to maryland Mm -hmm. to come to grad school yeah uh born and raised in mississippi that's great that's great i um when i when i first started doing the research i was like michael's a doppelganger i was like he's like the mississippi version of me i was like (laughs) i was like if those you know that that uh it's this thing that's on instagram when it shows the faces you turn into like if i do and i see this guy i will be really mad (laughs) (laughs) so tell me tell me about like your 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 chosen techniques like what why why, why the, the the pens and like in, in some of the other techniques that you're using and, and and how really do you use them like really what does that process look like ultimately is what I'm getting at yeah so it took a while to like get to these pens and where I'm at now I thought I was supposed to be a
1: painter and yeah. I was painting for a long time um, and that's because like that's what I learned in school and it was um, following, like, the artists that I liked and things like that. And then I realized, this was back in 2017, I remember this day, like, really clearly, and I've told this story a few times, but this was the, when the snow apocalypse happened. <laughs> yeah, so It was It was March of spring break. Um, and, you know, this was when, you know, people were stuck on 295 for, you know, 10 hours or whatever. And I remember, like, being, like, really unhappy with my paintings at the time. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was stuck in a house, couldn't go nowhere, couldn't go to the studio, couldn't do anything. All I had around me, Was like paper and pen yeah and so i just started drawing and it was something i kind of been thinking about for a while but it's like that day i kind of started to draw a pen and kind of never look back like from Mm -hmm. there like when i was painting i always felt like i was trying to compare myself to all these other figures in art history Mm -hmm. and i wasn't making paintings for myself Mm -hmm. and so when i switched to pen like something kind of opened up for me and i feel like i was finally making work for myself instead of trying to Fit myself into this art historical like canon, yeah. And so, like the development of this process, like working with pens, it took like a long time to even like get to the point where I was comfortable showing that work. Like for the first year of using those pens, like all of that work is is nobody will ever see. Um, <laughs> and and the development of it is a lot of thinking about like color theory, a lot of, but also like the marks that it makes. Mm-hmm. Going back to the ideas of quilt making, I look at that mark as like thread or like how, we sew, how different pieces are sewn together. Yeah. And so like some of the patterns and some of the things, some of the ideas of like Gee's Benz quilt makers and, and some of the lost histories from quilt making um, all goes back into the pen. Hmm. And so, for example, like during the Underground Railroad, quilts were used to send messages. Yeah. And so, you know, one pattern in a quilt would tell, tell, tell the slaves, um, you gotta make sure you find a, a change of clothes. Cause you got to blend in here. Mm-hmm. Another pattern, the safe house pattern will tell you like, there's a safe house up ahead. You can stay here and rest. And so I remember being talking to the, talking about this with this one lady. And she told me that, the, that none of this had happened. And I, I remember distinctly, like she was so adamant about it. Yeah. And I remember distinctly kind of arguing with her a little bit. And she was the reason why she said it was was like, it's not written down anywhere. Like there's no evidence like, right. of it. Yeah. And that like that, the reason why it wasn't written down anywhere because we weren't allowed to read or write like back then and also we were trying to hide it from you right like as well so we put a quote together saying this is what we're doing <laughs> yeah. it's like what like i can tell yeah. what you're doing now <laughs> and, and that idea of like this lost history yeah. and how things kind of change over time and how stories are told over time all kind of filtered back into the things
0: i think about with working with the pen that 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 notion of uncovering like what was there and what maybe have, has gotten lost, that's very important to me as well. And doing like this project, doing this type of work, cause it's like you, people don't always know what's being, what's being said, what the art is about, what the work is about, unless they're hearing it from the person that's doing it. Mm-hmm. And like really what goes into it. So it's like, oh, well, this is what I believe Michael's work is about. It's like, well, he just told you what it's about. So you should probably listen to what he said. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like we also have to bring our
1: own ideas into it as well like we can't control all of the narrative sure like 99 percent of the work we see when we're scrolling through instagram or whatever like people just look at it and like click the like button and keep going or whatever but they don't all those ideas you have is only a a, a certain amount of people will ever ever even try to reach out to even think about it
0: true this is true so Let's, let's. Now we're going to go back in time a little bit. I, I read that your path might have been to become an engineer. <laughs> uh, so can you tell me what brought about that change and that move toward fine art? And yeah. b- before you get into it, I think we have a similar story about uh, maybe uh, engineering wasn't for wasn't a jam. It,
1: it, no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> So my dream job growing up, I wanted to be a roller coaster yep. That was the thing I wanted to do. I used to play this video game like all the time growing up roller coaster tycoon. I used to love that game and my, my I wanted to build a roller coaster. That's what I thought I wanted to do, but that was when I was a kid. Yep. As I got older, like went to college, I went to Mississippi State, and that's a school where it's, it's known for engineering program, but mm-hmm. also like my mother went there, my father went there, my sister went there, uncles, aunts, like all it's my the family, family went there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so my first year like I, I picked engineering but it was because i didn't really know what i wanted to do uh, and so i didn't do too well like my first year and i changed to uh, changed to art and then i remember changing to art um there was a you have to submit a portfolio mm-hmm. after like two years or whatever to get into the like the official art program at the school i failed i didn't get in twice mm-hmm. i submitted my portfolio once didn't get in submitted again the next semester didn't get in again mm-hmm. and then i had to change to um, just this painting program that they had there. Um, and I end up, you know, graduating there. And then when I finished college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Sure. And the only reason I actually went applied and went to grad school was a, cause I didn't know what to do in my life and B I wanted to get out of Mississippi. I needed to find a way to leave. And so like, fortunately enough, I was able to, you know, get a, get accepted to where I am now. It, well, get accepted to University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was in grad school, which I actually even consider like art as like something for me. Yeah. I think I was just kind of coasting the whole time.
0: So even going further back, were you a person that doodled? Like you
1: would draw? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I did. I used to draw like little video game characters and stuff like that. I remember in, in high school, senior year, I designed like the, the class senior t-shirt. Nice. But they didn't give me one for free so I never got one I was mad like I was like how designers for you you don't want to like I can't even get a t-shirt for myself so
0: I didn't I don't even have one that was your indoctrination into the <laughs> art world it's like look yeah. you're gonna be doing this but <laughs> when it comes to that money bro sorry yeah exactly um I, I was because I was a very enterprising uh, young man I uh, would draw um, I, I, I had the whole thing where I, I didn't make it into the School of the Arts. They were like, yeah, we don't really think your work is that good. So it's something you want to tell a 13 year old. And but I remember when I was in like elementary school, middle school and that kind of timeline. I used to draw, like, the X-Men, like, mm-hmm. and I would sell them for a quarter. So, it's like, yo, you want that Wolverine? I got you, bro. <laughs> and i said they're like, drawing Wolverine, and it was just the same one over and over again. Yeah. And, I mean, after the uh, teacher saw it, I was like, yo, you made, like, five dollars in quarters. <laughs> so, you just see kids, the whole class is come. I want my Wolverine, like, right now. I was like, yeah. I'm not coloring these, though, just letting you know. <laughs> and it was just kind of one of those things, and um, so I always kind of but I would do something, I still do it now. If I'm in a meeting or something, I find myself drawing. I find yeah. myself sketching something and it's just something that's just, you know, you're kind of, not mindlessly, but it's not like towards a certain goal. It's just like, I'm just drawing something that comes to mind. And that's the beauty of drawing. Like it's
1: instinctive, like yep. it's intuitive and it starts to reveal things about us that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to, and I say this to my students, like when we look at a blank piece of paper, you're not really looking at a piece of paper You're looking at a mirror because it's reflecting like your thoughts. It's reflecting the possibilities of what could be. And it's also reflecting back the possibility of failure like as well. Like mm-hmm. it's opportunity and it's torment, like at the same time. Like it's 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 so wonderful to kind of experience what, what we can do when we're by ourselves, just drawing, like mm-hmm. not reveal, not talking to anybody else, but it reveals so much about us. And it's something I've kind of been like thinking about a lot, like mm-hmm. as I'm working on, like when I'm working is, is 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 becomes therapy. It becomes prayer. It becomes torment. It becomes this masochistic like yeah. thing. You have to like figure out and work through. Yeah,
0: yeah. I um, I joke with people that my relationship with podcasting is my uh, longest and most stable relationship, <laughs> and hmm. might be mo- the most abusive one too. Yeah. You know, because like, that masochistic thing is just like, man, nobody's listening. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, I thought my work was good. Um, so recently, I read that creativity is now as important as literacy when it comes to education. You're in a unique spot as an artist and an educator. How has creativity served you in education? Like, I, I, what comes to mind for me immediately is like problem solving, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have a degree of creativity, but what are your thoughts on that? Well,
1: exactly. So we talk about STEM, like in education, and instead of STEM, like trying to get that A for art, like yeah. it's in there. And so like, I teach a lot of people who are not majoring in art like sure. as well. They're majoring in nursing. They're majoring in business. They're majoring in anything else. So like one of my goals is to try to instill in them the values and things you can learn like from my class when you go out into the world. Sure. And so things like problem, creative problem solving and observational skills. Um, that's why you see companies hiring more like more artists to solve problems for them mm-hmm. instead of the traditional way of doing it Like let's get somebody on the outside who sees this a totally different way. Sure How can you make something out of nothing? How can you see this in a unique way that other people are not seeing it mm-hmm. and so like creativity like everybody has seen Like if I tell you to draw an apple like everybody has seen an apple But it's gonna be that one person who's gonna show you that apple like a way you've never seen it before And it's 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 interesting, kind of like think about that in a relationship to like business, or like how people are shaking the movement, like now, like finding their ways to to make money through whatever venue that that that's not reliant on the the bigger company, like to help them out. Like they're doing it on their own. Like you got to be creative and to find different ways for yourself to to make money for yourself, especially when you're. More non-traditional in your job, where it's not like a nine to five that you have. Sure. Yeah.
0: When so, like my 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 trajectory was was really interested in art. I wanted to be a comic book like artist and, mm. and right I wanted to do everything in comic book. I wanted to ink, pen, draw, write the whole thing. And um, and later, I just remember my my parents kind of gave me that shift of you need to, you need to look at business. You might want to look at that. And it's not a, an, an indictment of saying you're not good or what have you, but they were like, I don't know if you're gonna make money in that that area. So really returning back to doing something that's creative, like outside of this podcast, I do movie curations. Outside of that, I um, write a comic. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and that's like kind of backwards going into the thing that I like, but I think having that foundational skill of knowing some of the ins and outs of, of business, right? And entrepreneurship, that made me better at having that foundation for, for this side of things and being mm-hmm. a creator. And I and wanted to touch on those transferable skills, right? Where I remember when I got started in my marketing job in business, I just remember they were hiring a lot of people with um, psychology backgrounds and mm. marketing, and you would think, like, why do you hire someone with a marketing degree? Yeah. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, we're bringing in someone because we want to see how people think. Yeah. We want to be at a Solomon thing. So I think having that notion of bringing in artists to have to understand, like, problem solving, to understand how to achieve a certain goal, you see, you're going to see more of that. Yeah. I think it's. In, I think the crossover element of you like working and educating a lot of people who are in different fields. There are. It's always overlap. Yeah. So, <laughs> tell me about a piece of your work that holds a particularly fond memory for you, and, and why. Like, what, what comes to mind? Yeah. There, there are, there's two
1: things that like immediately come to mind. There's, and both of them like are pieces that I made with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, back in, I think it was 2016. Like every, every year I usually go home like for the holidays and like Christmas holidays and things. So back in 2016, um, I had my mother help me going back home, make this piece where I took like these dollies. Mm-hmm. And like, I was trying to like think about, at the time I was thinking about like artifacts and again, like how things are lost over time and like relics This kind of like remains now. And so, like, I was trying to think about what is a what can I consider an artifact that existed throughout just my lifetime? Mm-hmm. And I think about like the doily is like this thing I used to see all the time in my grandmother's house growing up and everything. But it's something that's not as prevalent now. And so I took these doilies and I sewed them together in the shape of a undershirt, a tank top, yeah. which is otherwise known as a wife beater. Like if you the term yeah. and and. And then I I wore it and this was my mother like to make it. And so she had me make it. And then I I wore it and did a painting like of me wearing it. Um, And so it was like, it's that piece. And then another piece where this was holidays of 2018, Mm -hmm. where I went home again and over the course of five days, she and I made a quilt together. And this was my first, this was my first time making like a full size like quilt, like the real deal. And it was, I worked hard on that quilt, like, than any drawing that I've ever made. Like, it's, it's, I didn't understand, like, how much labor is involved in making a quilt. Yeah. Um, It's a, it's a lot. And so, like, those experiences, like, I got to, like, share those with her. Um, Like, those are the things I kind of really look back on. Because the the works, like, you make them, if you're fortunate enough, someone, you know, buys them and then, like, they're gone. But, like, those, those two pieces, like, I still have, like, those. And those things that won't sell, like, they're always going to be with me and they helped me like just do something with her especially now yeah. that we live like she's still in mississippi i'm up here in maryland yeah it was something that we can like do together
0: that's that's great it's beautiful It's beautiful to to work with your work with your people work with your family it's like work with your mom like yeah. um i like i found out like in doing a live show that my dad was a fan of the podcast i didn't think he'd listen you know he's ex-marine he's just like i don't know this <laughs> art stuff and i do a movie review pod and I just kind of mentioned it to him. I was like, you want to be on it? He's like, yeah, yeah, I want to be on it. He's trying to be cool about it. He was so nervous, it was so funny, and I, I, the episode didn't get all the downloads I thought it would get, but it, it holds a really special place for me because I'm doing something, I'm sharing what I'm doing with my with my dad, and he's contributing to what, what my practice is, what mm. my art is, and we did a review on, if you were, were probably very close to the same age, so you might remember this one, the John claude Van Damme movie called Double Impact. Oh, my, my dad.
1: Like, those are my dad's movies. Those action movies, those cheesy action, those are Steven Salon, Stagall, Van Damme, all of those, those are all my dad's movies.
0: I just remember, just real <coughs> quick, he's like, yeah, and then it's like two brothers, double the Van Damme. I was like, what are we talking about? I was like, what are we saying here? Um, so I got a couple more real questions for you before I get to those rapid fire okay. ones. Um, this, describe the experience working with our embassies.
1: Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to have uh, a piece submitted to them uh, to be on loan for them for three years in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And they reached out um, asking for a particular piece. And they are reaching out in terms of what what can we do to connect with some of the things they were working on, mm-hmm. their own ideas in terms of working with refugees. Sure. And so like, there are some pieces that I was making. I had made like a little bit ago where I was thinking about like these people on a journey. Whereas they, and a lot of this connects back to hip hop like as well, but these people that's on a journey, if they're trying to get to where they're trying to go, I want to think about their journey as not like a physical place from point A to B, but more so like a state of mind in mm-hmm. terms of trying to empower and better themselves. And that mm-hmm. kind of comes back to, like, this is an old Goody Mob song. Um, they... Called live at the Omni, and in some parts of it, I kind of interpret it as it's kind of like what I'm saying. They're talking about like how do we, if you put all the black people together, to think, especially the ones you think are um, more negative connotations associated with them. Sure. Like what if they kind of came together and created like this self-sufficient community, mm-hmm. and like what would that look like, and and like how do how do they build together? Yeah. And so I kind of thought about this idea of like embetterment and empowerment like for us and and like these people trying to get to that better place, not necessarily like, again, like in a a specific location, but like, how do we all come together spiritually or in our thoughts and in our ideas with our monies and things like that. And Mm -hmm. so they they want to take some work that I that I did then um, to kind of connect with the idea of these refugees trying to move over and come to a better place and also empower themselves, even though they've been dislocated from where they are as well so it was a really good experience and it was a really good time talking to them
0: yeah. about it as well get your work out there i love it i love it so i'm going to flip these um what what would you say are the best and most challenging um, aspects of your work your practice going going about it like tell me yeah, about yeah. it
1: I, well like i mentioned a little bit before but i feel like drawing it's it becomes like thought it becomes like this deep thought you kind of escape into where you kind of forget about you forget about like what color I need to put here or what color I need to put there. But it's more about how do I reconcile with what's going on in my life today? Yep. How do I like deal with these things and how do how do I have a, like a this calm space to escape to that? I can just. Deal with it, and I can struggle through it as well like it's 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 a blessing and a curse because like i said it's it's prayer and it's therapy at times, but it's also like there's this intense struggle that you put yourself through that it's like I feel like if i don't struggle like making a peace, like the peace will never be good enough like yeah. it's this is not good like I feel like I have to like hate hate the peace for a long time
0: mm-hmm.
1: before I kind of like make it, make my way through the other side and figure out where it goes. Yeah. And so like this like searching process that drawing does is I think that's one of the best things about it, but it's also one of the most strenuous things as well. Like yeah. I wish I could make it much easier on myself. And, yeah. and there's some things I'm trying to do to make it easier on myself. Like everything doesn't have to be like a masterpiece. And I think there's some things I, I try to, I was trying to do like every single piece I make, it has to be like the best thing ever. And it's like, sometimes you gotta just just do and just let it be and just let go. And so like this, this idea of drawing being a, a service to us, a service to, to you and a service like for your thoughts and your minds in a way that other things can't be for me. Like, you know, some people can sing, some people can, can you know, play sports and escape. Some people can do like a lot of other things. Drawing becomes that thing, it becomes that sanctuary.
0: Yeah.
1: It becomes that, that just escape for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the the I felt that when you were just talking about basically being a perfectionist around something, mm-hmm. and early early on in doing doing my series podcast and this this journey and, and this being my, my practice, um, I would look at like, man, I need to really get all those ums out of there. I need to get all those gaps out of there, and and kind of hating it because mm-hmm. pretty much if you do let's say an hour worth of content, you're going to do like two hours worth of review and do a couple passes. Yeah, so. I'm now I think it's made me better at being an interviewer, at least I think. In that I'm trying to keep the conversation as authentic and normal as possible, and that comes from listening to those edited ones with all of those mm-hmm. things cut out. It would sound choppy, and it's yeah. like this is not a conversation. Yeah, this is just questions being answered with minimal space. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like this is terrible, actually. <laughs> yeah,
1: and that authenticity is important. Like going back to like quilt making, like the ones that I like. I, I was mentioned G's being. But they don't have like perfect ninety degree angles and perfect, perfectly shaped like pieces. It's all like hand cut, handmade, yeah. and you can see those imperfections in it. And that imperfections that kind of reveals the soul a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it, like you can't cut all that stuff out. Like we need to see that. And it's this, this, and those other ideas about like imperfections that, or like with their work, and in, in other quilt making like practices, they would establish like a certain pattern within within the quilt. But then yeah. they would find a way to break that pattern up, like disrupt it some way. Mm -hmm. And like that disruption becomes so important. Like in in African American cultures is that disruption is is a a way to ward off evil spirits. Like Mm -hmm. that's the same way as like putting newspaper up all over the walls or like in in quilts, like the disruption is uh, thought of that evil spirits like to travel like in nice, clean, even straight lines. Yeah. And so you need a way to like ward them off and that disruption becomes that. Those imperfections like become that. And it's like, that's what we revel in because that also goes back to creativity. That also goes back like to the soul. It goes back to what's inside
0: as well. we're we're imperfect people. We're imperfect creatures. What have you? And I think sometimes you run into something that's overly sanitized, overly manicured. Like, yeah. all right, where where's the soul? Where's the real? And I remember talking with a curator about like the how how he uh, appreciates and how he kind of sources work and things of that nature. And one of the things he said, he's like. Yeah, you can get all the technical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So understanding like how how do lines work, understanding color, things of that nature. It's like what does it say though? Yeah. Where's the soul of it though? Uh-huh. And maybe those imperfections, maybe why you chose it, maybe seeing like brush strokes and things of that nature and those are the things that kind of resonate for like a certain audience and yeah. so on. Um, so this is the last real question I have for you. And and you've touched on it, but I want you to really hammer this one home. What does your work reveal about your personality <laughs> i think that um well that's a good question so
1: i think that <laughs> like for me especially like within the, over the last two years like we've all kind of been dealing with things and yep. we're all trying to find ways to cope with everything that's going on like from you know the protests to to COVID to russia and ukraine now to like everything that's going on and it's like we have to actually realize for ourselves that it's okay to it's okay to not be okay yeah. but also like as, as you know as black people and as a black man is like the idea of like being vulnerable with other people it's like something you're not supposed to do like you always got to be strong you always gotta you know hold your head high you you can't let nobody see any cracks in you and mm-hmm. i think that through my work and some of those emotions like what i like to try to think about and reveal is that if i talk about that journey we're on our way trying to get ourselves a little bit better it's okay to, to feel bad that day. It's okay mm-hmm. to not be okay. It's okay to try to know that you don't have everything worked out like right now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I, we see a lot of images of like black pain. And then we also on the other spectrum, we see a lot of images of black joy. And those, both of those things are important. Yeah. I think of what I'm more interested in, in thinking about and is that process of getting from one to the other. Yeah. And, like, and leaning more toward on the optimist side, but it's still like we've been through a lot, but we can, we're making our way over that hill, over that hump. Mm-hmm. And as I think about like how that relates to me, is it's like, I don't, I may not talk about these things with a lot of people. I may not, cause I don't know like what they are. Like there's a lot of feelings that's inside mm-hmm. and you don't, I don't know how to verbalize them, but I know mm-hmm. how to visualize them. And that's where the drawing kind of comes in and kind of reveals a, a lot of what I'm trying to get at whether I'm succeeding or not and that's I think that's why I keep doing it and keep doing it it happens like with every piece I make it's trying to like figure out these feelings and figure out what I'm thinking about I'm I'm a reserved person I'm a a little bit of an introverted person but I think I speak loudest this sounds a little bit too cheesy but I think I speak loudest like through the art and through the work so it's just this is pressure to Try to be profound at all times, but we, again, like we got to realize, you don't have to always be that way. You can just
0: be. Well, thank you for sharing that. Huh? Yeah. All right, it's time, it's time to get weird now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, with all of the goodwill that I've established with asking you meaningful, <laughs> thoughtful questions, now I'm just going to ask you some weird questions. Okay. Um, so these are rapid fire questions. Um, I got five of them for you, and, and with them, um, we wanna be as, as quickly, as quick as possible, uh, be as brief as possible, and because that's the nature. It's rapid fire, right? Okay. Now, unless you really need to say, look, I gotta explain that one. You, you can do it, <laughs> but you know, try to, try to keep your answers short. All right, first one, and I just thought this was funny. Is the pen mightier than the sword? <laughs> uh, I'm supposed to be rapid fire.
1: Um, Especially
0: because you work with a (laughs)
1: pet. Yeah, I I got it. I I get it. Like we see today even what's going on today, information and the way information is spread can be much, much more deadly and much more contagious than like any weapon. So yeah, it'll definitely be the pen.
0: Okay. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Uh, What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, creatively.
1: uh, beware of early success is, you know, um, you can get hot for a second, but what happens like 10 years from now, or, you know, even, you know, three months from like when that part
0: you get hot. So definitely beware of early success. You know, I asked this earlier, so you know, what I'm going to ask you now, favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I gave you about 40 minutes to oh. figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Double impact. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have no idea what my favorite movie would be. Like, I can name some movies, because uh, I'm actually more of a TV show person than movies. Okay, I'll flip it. TV show. What's your favorite TV show? Uh, uh, I can tell you what I'm watching now, what, what's things I like right now. Sure. Um, there's a show called Ozark on Netflix that's, like, pretty amazing, I think. Um God, when you talking about going blank with these rapid fire questions, now it happens. Like everything is blank. I'm thinking back to like movies and stuff through my, whole life and (laughs) trying to like pinpoint on like one thing my pop culture life flashed before (laughs) my eyes yeah exactly um but yeah ozark is cool it's not my favorite show ever but it's cool and i and i enjoy it a lot there's a lot of other great shows a lot of other great movies too yeah i always go back to movies like love and basketball if i had to like go back to like a a a romantic comedy a black rom-com or something like that but there's so many, there's so many movies.
0: Classic uh, D- uh, Dennis Haysbert in that one, <laughs> yeah. being the abusive dad always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So um, I want to talk about color real quick I, and I'm working this one in there. Yeah. W- w- for you, what is the most prominent color that you work with? And is there a representation as to why you use that color?
1: Yeah. So like with each piece, I always go in with like a a certain idea of like I'm making a green piece or I'm making a blue piece Mm -hmm. or I'm making a red piece, etc. Like I always usually want one color to be the most dominant in there. But I find that within all of those pieces and someone else pointed out to me, like there's these orange and this purple Mm -hmm. that I kind of use a lot because I feel like especially when drawing like black people, like we have a lot of color within our skin other than just brown. Yeah. And so like those is an orange and a purple that I end up using a lot because they work so well together, them being secondary colors. But they 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 highlight and they can they can give a little bit of warmth and also can give us a little bit of a little bit of tone and a little bit of shadowing in there, too. So those are two colors that kind of make their way into like everything like that I do. Yeah. Okay. Last one. This is this is a little trolley, but I had to ask it. Favorite roller coaster. (laughs) so I can answer this okay. so growing up there used to be these shows um, they used to come on TLC yeah. back when TLC were actually about you know learning not reality shows but they used to highlight different theme parks and coasters and, and things and so I had uh, some family some cousins that lived in Ohio mm-hmm. and like Cedar Point is in Ohio um, and and some other and Kings 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 Park I think Kings Dominion I think that's the name of the, of it but they had a roller coaster come out they had one called the beast which is a wooden roller coaster but then they came out with the son of beast and so like the son of beast was the first wooden roller coaster that had a a loop in it yeah and like i remember like you know going to visit my cousins that summer and it's like i have to go like i gotta go ride this thing and so like i did and so like i I remember that and i i love that like experience and just like what i used to learn about them and and the, the feeling
0: of roller coaster. I don't know why, why I did, but I did. Like, it just gave me something. Well, that's great. Um, so, we're going to wrap up there. Um, I want to thank you for being on this podcast, and um, I want to invite you and encourage you to um, tell the listeners where to check out your work. Um, obviously, more than fine art is a thing, but check, you know, right. check out your work and all of that good stuff, and where to follow you on social media.
1: Yeah, so thank you for having me as well. You can find me on Instagram. Um, at M-A Booker underscore art uh, and my website michael-booker.com and I'm also like represented by Morton Fine Art uh, as you said
0: as well so you can find me there too so there you have it folks I want to thank Michael Booker for coming on to the podcast and I am saying that there's art in and around your city uh, you just gotta look for it